I was, you know, kind of speaking to the high that I once got from performing and there was nothing like it. There was nothing else that I've ever experienced that got me to that place. Mm-hmm. And we recently played the show again. And once again, it was like a revival show. So it didn't have that fresh energy. Of course, there was something, you know, not so exciting about yeah. it because of that. But it just didn't feel the same. And I didn't, I was like, uh-oh, like that's the only place I knew to get that high. Like, where do I go now? So welcome back to I'm the Villain. Today we're talking with my friend Chelsea, who I know through the death care work that I do. And um, Chelsea is going to talk to us today about what it's like being a musician. Like, I feel like we've had a lot of people on our show before who've been like, oh, I wish I was able to like, you know, pursue this particular dream. And then like the, the lifestyle never worked out for me or something like that. And so I would love to hear about like, you know, what your life looks like. And I mean, first of all, why don't we just let the audience, um, if you could just give a quick little intro, anything you think the audience should know about you, that would be great. Sure. Uh, So I'm Chelsea Hines. I'm from New York, but I'm currently living in New Orleans. I've been here for the past 12 years. And I originally came down here for school and music and the arts is what has kept me here. So that, you know, being in New Orleans is very relevant to my story as an artist. And New Orleans is the place to be, right? It is the place to be in the, in some ways. And then it's also the place to get out of in others. <laughs> uh, I'll get to that. I'll explain that as I, as I explain a little bit of what, you know, being an artist here has looked like. Um, yeah, totally. But yeah, yeah. So I'm a guitar player, a violinist, a singer. And I curate events at a local art space. It's a cathedral that's uh, in a really cool little part of town in New Orleans. Um, so, I mean, that's generally that's generally my 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 intro. Um, I do other things outside of music as well. So, um, I just started an herbal blend smoking company called Chelsea's Healthies. That's been years in the making. Um, I give swamp tours. Uh, on kayaks out in the local a swamp really close to New Orleans, and uh, is it Jean Lafitte? Not a Jean Lafitte, but I do love that park very, very mm. much. <laughs> um, it's a it's an area called Manshack, and so if you've been to Jean Lafitte, it looks very similar out there. Um, and so we go around looking at gators and snakes in the swamp. Yeah, what a wide berth! That's a lot of stuff. <laughs> it's a lot of stuff. <laughs> um, when did your it's a when did your journey with music like first start? So, I mean, both of my parents are musicians or were musicians, and my mom my mom was a singer in the eighties, and she was part of this like eighties rock band. And my dad was more of like a he was like a scrappy kid, you know, that was like playing out on the streets. And he came down to New Orleans when he was, you know, younger than I am now and would play out and busk on the streets with his friends. And so growing up, my both of my parents um, more or less kind of brainwashed me into becoming a musician. Every gift, Christmas, birthdays, it was instruments, music lessons, um, so yeah, in a way, even though I love it, I had no choice. <laughs> uh, and so yeah, by the time I got to college, I I, I, came, I came to college here in New Orleans. So I moved here when I was 18 and I would play music with friends, like just kind of jamming at parties and things. And I would go out to these shows and I would feel almost like, like it was like envious, you know, I would see them up on stage and I would see the singer and I'm like, I could do that. like why aren't I up there, you know? And I would get almost like upset. Like there was just like anxiety in, in me that like needed to be up there. And um, I started, I dated a jazz musician and I was like 19 or 20 when I started dating him. And I would look at his like calendar that he had in his room and it was like filled out with gigs and how much he was making. And I would hear him on his phone calls and I was like, wow, like, you can do this professionally. You can make money. This is not just a 
for fun because you want to be on stage kind of a thing. He, this is his job. And so him and I started a band together and it was a rock band, but we used all like jazz musicians. And um, I ended up just learning. It was like a fast forward music, like immersion course to be surrounded by jazz musicians who just got out of jazz training, um, you know, because they were all very, very happy to tell me when I was off <laughs> or, <laughs> or if there was a wrong note or if it, like what, you know, explain to me the theory behind everything we were doing. Um, and so, yeah, we ended up playing for years as a band and that kind of just rolled into me then starting my own bands, being a band leader. And, um, well, then that led into the pandemic and it was really unfortunate timing. I had recorded my first solo album and I was really proud of it. And I released it and like, I moved to New York so I could have this big debut. And so I could, you know, do the New York hustle thing. And I booked all these great shows at like the most famous clubs in New York. Like I was like set and I released my album and within like a week or two, we're in lockdown and I wasn't able to do anything with it. And then the album kind of lost its steam. And so I, I didn't, I didn't really feel like pushing for that after the pandemic, you know, once things started opening up again, I wanted to do something new. Mm -hmm. So I got together with a, a DJ, uh, an, an electronic artist who's, you know, pretty, well, pretty well known in the electronic community. He goes by concrete and he, He's a, he's based in New York. And so him and I made an album together at the very end of the pandemic. We called it Symptoms Of. <laughs> and um, that was, it kind of opened my eyes to the journey, like how, how great it could be to be on the, just like the recording side, to not worry about the performance as much and to just start recording music. Um, and so, yeah, from there I started uh, a group of friends and I, we started a little group where we record music. We get together once a week now, and it's all with the intention of selling it to um, movies and TV shows. So we just, you know, make really like, here's the vibe. And this is the vibe we're going for. We make sure all of our legal paperwork is set. Um, you know, just so that in the case of something like a pandemic happening, um, my, my work as a musician doesn't go to nothing. I can keep working. I can keep going to the studio and I have music that I can actually sell that is not performance based, but is recording based. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So yeah, that's where I'm at now with my music. What do you think made you want to, or not want to like try to revive the hype around the album you released before the pandemic? Um, I mean, the thing is, is that that album, it was really capturing where I was at at that moment, you know, where where my head and my heart were at. And I just, you know, two years later, didn't feel the same. And I didn't feel that same desire to to push it. Like at this point, I was like, these feelings are old. These are, you know, this isn't where I'm at mm -hmm. now. Um, and I really... I really liked the electronic music stuff that I did with my friend. And I, I was like, this is the vibe I want to go for now. I don't think I want to go for this. It was like a little bit more acoustic-y and poppy, what I was doing before. And um, that would do better maybe in a live setting. And honestly, performing live just doesn't feel the same anymore. A lot of musicians I talk to, they feel like that too. Like it almost feels like everyone's going through the motions and like mm -hmm. the audience feels like it's just like, like not entertained. Like everyone's like overwhelmed by being out around so many people. And then it's hard to connect. Um, or at least that's been my experience. So. So you were the one who like uh, wrote all of the songs that were in that album. Yeah. So I, I wrote the songs um, and then I co-produced it as well. And mm -hmm. And performed almost all of the of the different instruments. I did like hire like a drummer to come in and do do some parts. But for the most part, I I, I kind of pulled an Elliot Smith, you know, did it all. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I I really always wonder, especially since like there's all of this like you know hype around 
like Taylor's whole thing going on, like what it must be like for those people for whom like you a hundred percent are sort of like much of your adult life is kind of in the public eye in this way, right? Where you're writing about your own life and you, it's like, it's almost like interesting to think of from a legacy perspective because it's like having a journal, but like everyone is reading it and you're like, yeah, this was my 20 whatever year old self, you know? And it's, and I want like, uh, when pe- a lot of people like I feel like when you have those revival bands that are like oh whatever like Smash Mouth like playing that one <laughs> song still like whatever 20 years later and then you're just like oh this is I wonder if it's weird for them to like play that music that was like the main thing that got them popular like when they're in a completely different phase of life you know yeah yeah <laughs> oh I'm sure I mean I I recently played um, a Halloween show with a band we hadn't played in five years and um we we got together for halloween this past like this past october and played our first show in a really long time and it was all of our old songs and it was fun Mm -hmm. and it was really cool to you know that we had a really nice crowd out there of people who loved that band and who knew the songs and who you know remembered what it was and but suddenly it's like five years later, which doesn't really seem like that long, but kind of everything that's happened between now and five years ago is pretty like paradigm shifting for the entire world. And so yeah. just being back there with the same bad and the same songs and it, it highlighted to me how much has changed. Like more than anything, I was just like, oh my God, like, I don't know if it's just like my age or what, what I've, but how much I've changed or, but like everyone is so different and the audience feels so different and mm-hmm. you know um not like in a bad way just it was noticeable <laughs> yeah, I think it, I, I th- yeah, I totally feel that. I mean, I'm a different person than I was pre-pandemic and it's so interesting to me like when you like over time it's like do do the people who are in your audience change are they often like you know do you think of them as sort of like you're singing to sort of the same person that you were singing to like whatever five years ago when you made those songs you know (laughs) I mean also I think it's the age we're at like what a difference it is like I was 25 the last time I played with that band you know we're just like out there rocking out and drinking and we were like we were just rocking like I'm living this kind of like like rock star life and you know like ever like in that time between 25 and 30 people get married and have kids and like pick different like I feel like there's just a lot that shifts in that window of time as well and and so the age range of people um you know it was going from being like partying kids to being like responsible adults. And mm-hmm. that makes a really big difference. And, right. You know, like, I can't, you know, I'm just, I'm not the same. I'm not rocking out the same. And that takes a lot of the fun out of the performance aspect. I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're a rock band, you know. Was that the right. band that you. You're like being responsible. Was that the band that you, <laughs> that you toured with? Um, or did you, was, was most of your touring solo? No, I toured solo more. Um, this band, we went on one one tour as that band. It was always really hard because everyone in the thing with New Orleans is great musicians are in like five bands of pop, especially like bass players, drummers. So like going on tour when as a rock band, it's not like we were making a lot of money. You know, the jazz bands and things like that could make more. But with rock music, it wasn't as easy to... Um, yeah, to like promise money. So going on tour wasn't as easy with that. Um, but then I, I, that's also part of why I broke off solo and wanted to do stuff on my own. So I didn't have to like stress about, you know, asking an entire, you know, five or six people to like leave their life for a month. And I could just kind of do that. So. Mm-hmm. I, and it must be hard to find professional collaborators like, I feel like it's hard to find people you work with well generally. And then I feel like if you're a musician, there's all these other demands on top of that of like, they have to want to make the same kind of music as you and like, you know, blah, 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 blah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've like found my people for sure. Um, Not that I'm not open to like meeting new people. Like I played with the same drummer for like 10 years, you know, and 
it was yeah. kind of like now I'm like okay I'd love to see what it's like to play with another drummer um but there's definitely like you know my friend Nick for example I mean he's like a musical soulmate like I almost I, I can't imagine making anything where he's not a part of it you know mm-hmm. I've over these years like my idea of music has become so enmeshed with like the sounds that he's able to make that I, yeah, I don't know that I, I could, or that I'd want to like have a project without him involved. Um, Mm -hmm. Which is like a funny thing, like these musical relationships. I mean, it's cause it's not, I mean, he's a friend, it's not romantic, but he's a partner, you know, he's like a life partner now because of that, because of how we collaborate. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's just funny how that we have many partners, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing to be able yeah. to have that. Like, I feel like that is so in my mind, it's almost like those types of things. Like I, I think a lot about like, you know, we think of like romantic as being like this pedestal of like, Oh, this is like the rare, like synergy that you're never going to find. And I'm like, no, that's like your business partner. That's like, your, <laughs> like there's so many, actually there's so many things like that, yeah. you know, yeah. where it's like, how often can you get a musical soulmate like that? Like that's incredibly rare. Oh, totally. I mean, I'll just say yeah. a feeling I have and then he'll like just hit the chord and I'm like, oh, that's it. Like, yeah, he, you know, it's like that. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, just, yeah, it's, it's really cool. I, I feel like I've, I've really also been exploring that idea of what partnership is showing up as in my life um, outside of romantic relationships, you know, cause I have mm-hmm. a business partner now with the herbs and I have like musical partners and I'm just kind of like categorizing where my partnerships lie. And um, it's so nice. Like I'm like, wow, all, for the first time, all of my needs are being met. <laughs> I'm, I'm not looking for it all in one place. It's 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 everywhere, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're speaking the polyamory language right now. <laughs> I know. I'm like, uh, and it's funny because it leaves it so that ro- in romance, I don't need to necessarily um, seek branching out because. I only really need like a few things met there. Yeah. I used to look to like romantic. I, I had started, you know, as I was saying, I, the first band I ever started was with someone I was dating, right? So I had come from, and, and then we had started like a production company and then we all of our whole friend group. And so I was very much like living in this world where everything's under one roof. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like when the romance side didn't work, everything else under that roof crumbled, even though it was fine. Right. And so it taught me to kind of keep things a little separate. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Not that they have to be separate, but, um, but it is very essentializing, right. When you have like a romantic relationship where a lot of those things are housed, you know, as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would never intentionally try not to have that, but I also, um, I've just now, I've seen the danger of having it all under one roof and, you know, uh, it puts a lot of hard work. Um, it just kind of throws a lot of hard work away when something, when you're just like, I don't want to date you anymore. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, wait, but there's thousands of work that you have thousands of hours of work that we put into this that is, you know. Um, so yeah, I've, I've learned from that for sure. And it's especially, um, I think there's something really romantic about the notion of like, you know, those power couples that are like the creative power couples that, uh, you know, I, it's, uh, I think like every art, I don't want to speak for every artist. But I feel like most people like in some way strive to have that. Like that would mm-hmm. be the ideal scenario. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think it's, it's I think it's ideal because it's kind of fantastical, though. You know, like in reality, like in practice, you know, it's like it's super hard to be around like the person that you're dating, your romantic partner all the time because you also have this other venture with them, you know. Totally. Mm-hmm. I mean, what I experienced in that was like, um, was a slow fade out of like talking about anything outside of 
the band or, you know, the business we were, we were running together. And so it was like, yeah, that became all we'd talk about. And there was no conversation around a relationship. And then of course the relationship falls apart because you're not talking about it because it's like, well, like, you know, that's not getting us anywhere. Like it, it's, it's just, it's, it's hard to put all that under one roof. Um, yeah. I think it's possible. I do think Yeah. I feel like there's this phenomenon that happens, at least in my experience, where like when you're dating someone, you have much more of a conception of some idealized version of what that person could be. And you're seeing the negative space between them, like the reality and that ideal. Whereas mm-hmm. I think for a lot of your other relationships, you're not really doing that as much with like your friends or like you're all oh, you're like, oh, if you were the perfect business partner, you this is what you right. And I feel like as soon as you like, you know, take a step back. And for context, I went through a breakup in like April uh, of like a relationship that was like of seven years. And it was like, you know, how can you then like, I feel like as soon as you stop paying attention to that negative space of like what your romantic relationships aren't giving you, it's a lot easier to be able to be like, oh, I feel so like, you know, the positive space that is being fulfilled by all of my other relationships. It's like, it's so abundant. Right. And I, and I feel like I don't do that negative space thing with so many of the other types of relationships that I have in my life. You know? Oh, totally. I like the way you put that with the the negative space where the focus becomes where the idea, like what isn't at the, the ideal, ideal would be. Yeah. Um, and it's it's really funny that 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 is what we do. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah, because you and like even just even expressing that to someone, you know, the mm-hmm. things that we feel comfortable expressing to someone that are our you know our lover, our partner that we would mm-hmm. never say to a friend <laughs> right. ever in a million right. years. Like you would mm-hmm. never say that to a friend because it would be weird <laughs> and right. inappropriate and, you know, really just not your place to tell someone that they should do this or shouldn't do that or think this way or that something that they did that had nothing to do with you hurt your mm-hmm. feelings and you wish that, you know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe some people talk to their friends that way, but. Sure. But I think our just like generally our expectations are, are lower in not in a in a way that it means that like you know it's bad. I think often actually that makes our friendships that much easier to have. Oh, right? totally, right? Like you don't expect that your friend would just um, I don't know that your that your friend would be there or be be right on time or I don't know. Like I, there's mm-hmm. just certain things or or that they wouldn't be off talking to another friend all night. Like mm-hmm. if I go out with a friend and they talk to a friend, I'm like great, hi. Right. You know what I right. mean? Like if they just like leave early because they weren't feeling well and or if another friend gives them a ride, I'm like, great, bye, see ya, have fun. Like mm-hmm. it would never cross my mind to feel um, hurt by that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is really funny. Um, I've been exploring this a lot. I, I recently, you know, went through a transition with someone where we were just trying this dating thing and mm-hmm. we were going to try to create, like be creative together. And that could, didn't quite work. And we're like, maybe we should try dating. We're like, this doesn't quite work. And we're like, let's just try friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that way it could just take all the pressure off. And maybe this will bring us back to creating together. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I'll, I would almost always take that over dating someone. Like I'm like, let's, let's work together. I like, working. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Yeah, you make, I like working. I don't know if I like dating right now. <laughs> making music with someone is a pretty like yeah, it's an intimate experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. yeah. Something that like yeah definitely makes me feel like emotionally full after like you know my band has a great rehearsal or something like that or does a good show. Totally. I mean, I feel it's maybe the. I was talking about this recently with a friend who he's in my band. We would play it on Halloween and I was, you know, kind of speaking to the high that I once got from performing and there was nothing like it. There was nothing else that I've ever experienced that got me to that place. Mm-hmm. And we recently played the show again. And once again, it was like a revival show. So it didn't have that fresh energy. Of course there was something, you know, not so exciting about yeah. it because of that, but it just didn't feel the same. And I didn't, I was like, uh Oh, like that's the only place I knew to get that high. Like, where do I go now? And, um, I started screen 
like writing screenplays. And I was like, okay, like where could I best, I don't know, but like once again, if it's not in performance, like I'm writing screenplays where I could act in them so I can get that expression out, but I also get to write and I can also think about the music and the setting, the clothing, like I get to, cause I also put on plays and productions. And so, and something with the plays and productions is you put all this work in and then the day comes, the show happens, everyone claps and then it's over. And all that work is just like, it's like it never happened. And mm -hmm. so I was trying to find a way to take all of that and put it somewhere and just something that would maybe give me that high again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for it in film these days. Yeah. How, well, I know you mentioned this a little bit before we started recording. How, how has basically been, um, like, how has being a musician made it harder for you to, like, you know, actually be dating at all? <laughs> I also am very much in the same boat as you, I have to say, in terms of just, like, you know, I just, like, feel, well, I just feel very, like, I feel, like, I just in a place where I just feel really grateful for all of my friends, basically, you know, like, I feel like I've been like trying to like, I moved to Philly last year. I've been trying to make more friends, you know, recently because like, I feel like I was a little bit like not doing that kind of because of the pandemic and, you know, and now I'm just like in the swing of things and it's just been very gratifying, <laughs> you know? Totally. I, I feel like that this sentiment has been echoed a lot lately, this feeling of, of, just appreciating friends, falling in love with your friends and mm -hmm. letting that fill that space. And it doesn't mean like being closed off to romance and love, but not necessarily. It's kind of like we were saying, you know, it's like when you find the partnerships in all the elements of your life, instead of like needing that to be met by one person and having it filled by so many people, um, I don't know. It kind of takes, it takes a lot of the pressure off, I think, of the dating if it's even going to happen, <laughs> you know, because it's not looking to them to be everything. Yeah. yeah. I think it puts you in a better mindset for and, like if, if you eventually are going to date someone or if you like run into a situation like that, like it's, you know, it's totally. like, it's good to feel more free to move in that situation in a way that feels appropriate to it rather than like feeling like you need to, you know, like, Escalate, 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 keep going up the escalator. pressure on it. Like, yeah. is this going to be the thing that makes me feel good about myself? Oh, totally. You know? Oh, gosh. I'm turning, I mean, I just turned 30 last May, right? So I'm like 30 and a half now. And I just imagined I would like get married and have kids and do that thing. And it only really like recently dawned on me that like I might not. Like, I just might not take that path. And Something about like having the lifestyle that I have as an artist, as a musician, as somebody living in New Orleans, which is just like really not like a kid city. It's, you know, it's, I'm not like a hard party or anything like that, but it just, the, the lifestyle here is unlike anywhere else. Um, and so I've been feeling lately, I'm like, wow, like, let's say, my career in music, in film takes off. And that would put me at, I don't know, like maybe for the next five to 10 years, I'm like riding this wave of like, and those are also the years that, you know, I feel like in the modern era, that's like, as a woman, you're expected to kind of do the baby marriage thing at that age too. And so I started realizing like, wow, I might have to choose between these two. Like, I don't see them both happening at the same time. I don't see them making sense together. If I'm touring the world or like I'm working crazy hours, if I want to make a film and I'm on a film set and we're like, we're on location and we're just out there for months. Like this doesn't really like a lifestyle that's very conducive with, you know, the homemaking. <laughs> I mean, I was like bent on an, I didn't realize I was brainwashed until I was sharing my dream with someone else. And they were like, I had the same one. And it was like, yeah, I'm like out there and I'm hanging things on a clothesline and they're all white. And like, <laughs> I'm wearing a dress. And then like my husband comes home and I'm like, 
and you know dinners like in the going on in the kitchen and like there's children and they're so sweet and like well you're imagining a very very domestic lifestyle for yourself (laughs) like so domestic and don't get me wrong it's not that i don't still like there's this part of me that loves that idea and that's part of why like i am also setting up my life to be able to create from home like recording glass making, um, screenwriting. Like these are all things I can do at the herbal stuff. Like I ship it out. I don't need to go anywhere. Like I am setting up my world so that I can hustle. Like I love to and be an artist and be home and potentially maybe have kids in that picture and still be able to do all those things. But yeah, it, it, it has been feeling like more of a split lately. I'm like, which road am I taking? Am I going to be like the good wife or am I going to like become a king? It's not mutually exclusive, but mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it feels like it is. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I do think that there's like literally a lot of ways in which it is, but like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't know. Like there, I mean, there's literally only a certain, like, you know, after a certain time you, are literally infertile, yeah. right? There's right. that limitation. You can't you can't have goats if you're not your home year round to take care of them. You know? Exactly. You need to be there all the time. <laughs> you also um, you can have kids if you're not home year round, but it's just harder. So much harder. Oh, totally. I mean and I like always think I want kids and then I go hang out with people who have kids. <laughs> and I'm like you're like, yeah, like it's just chaos and it's tiring and it's, <laughs> I mean, I hate it, but it's annoying. Like, it's just like, I'm like, okay, I thought I wanted this. Like, I, I think I want this, but why again? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like I see it being the end of my career. I see it being a huge romance killer between me and whoever it is I want to be with. Also yeah. a huge romance killer if I don't want to stay with that person and move on to someone. Like, like <laughs> you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it just kind of complicates everything and. Mm-hmm. I have a much longer list as to why I wouldn't want to do this as then. I mean, I think like under like the list of why is just like, like longevity, <laughs> mm-hmm. have something in the world that like continues on when I die. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> cause the, on the others, on the flip side, it's like, you know, a lot more things on the case of not doing so, especially when you live a life like I live. It, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, just, it does seem kind of untenable. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it would be so not fun. And I, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, shout out to my, all my friends with kids. Like, I hope you're happy, but like, how could you be? <laughs> you know, like, um, <laughs> our neighbor just had a new child and he is just like so wrecked. Like, we... He mm-hmm. was sitting on his porch with his new baby, who was very cute. And we walked up, and he was just like, "Hey guys," <laughs> and we, were like, we were like, "Hey David, what's up?" And he was like, "You know, it's my night with the baby, and she's so fussy tonight. Sometimes she likes to be taken outside, so I'm trying that." And oh. and I was like, "Oh my god, David, you're so wrecked." And he was like. You know, just hadn't slept in such a long time, and he had two other, you know, non-baby children. It just seems hard. It seems mm. really hard. I mean, and it's yeah. more so, more importantly, kind yeah. of what, like what you were saying, Chelsea. It feels like it really locks you in to a certain kind of lifestyle, yeah. and like excludes you from from a bunch of other things that maybe you're not ready to be excluded from. Totally. I mean, it, and I I feel like what I've witnessed. And I don't know if this is like train, like a conditioning or biological, but um, probably both. But like, it almost seems like it's like the women I know, especially they can't help it. They end up caring more about their kid's life than whatever it was they were doing before. And and I mean, I've seen this with like my guy friends who have had kids, but a little less. Like they seem to be able to like kind of still prioritize what they were doing. They love their kids. It's not that they don't love their kids, but there's still, the priority is still on like what they're doing. And 
Yeah, I guess there's a there is definitely something in me that is like afraid that if it is biological, <laughs> that I would like I would just kind of stop caring so much about the things that I'm working on and the things that I've spent my entire life working towards because suddenly this other person would just matter more. And there's something so beautiful about that. But, you know, it kind of gets me like, well, what's the point? Like, what is even the point of having another person if it makes you give up on your life? Like, I wouldn't want that for my kid if I had one, mm -hmm. right? Like, I would be like, oh, God, I hope they don't give up their life for another one. <laughs> like, I hope they live their life. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, it's a really... I, I guess just being 30 now, it's just like I've been thinking about this a lot lately and it has just come up more than it ever has. Yeah. And I think that notion that you are living now for this other person can in a lot of cases ruin a lot of people's relationships with their mother. Like, I mean, and maybe it's true like in a lot of cases for fathers too, but like, you know, I was – I was uh, just reading Michelle Zahner's book, um, you know, Crying in H Bart. And, you know, she was talking about like how like her mother did not want her to be a musician. Right. And how that was like a huge thing that complicated her grief after her mother died, you know. And <laughs> it's just like that feels like such a to me, such an inherently uh, like unhealthy power dynamic. Right. Like, how do you how do you try to reconcile? Like, if someone literally gave up this much for me, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, what does that even mean to sort of try to be a good son or daughter or like try to, quote unquote, like reciprocate any of that energy? It's it's like it's like kind of an impossible thing to do. Right. Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, I've like laid my like huge guilt trips on myself being like, am I am I expressing enough gratitude? You know? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. and, and it's, yeah, I could never. I could never because I do think that, you know, my mother, I think has, I get the feeling and she's always let me know, like she loves me more than she loves herself. You know, mm -hmm. that's the feeling that I get. Yeah. And that's beautiful. I feel so safe in the world knowing she's out there loving me like that. And mm -hmm. it makes me feel really guilty. It makes me yeah. feel like, like, oh, no, like, I wish that she loved her. And then, oh, God, am I so am I bad for not like if I don't love her more than I love myself? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. you know, am I supposed to be doing that, too? And and then, yeah, like when I imagine having children, I'm like, oh, God, like I wouldn't want to do that to that. Like, I don't want that. Like. I don't I, I wouldn't want to give up my life. I don't think it would make anyone happy. I think it would be, I almost imagine myself more as like the cool dad. <laughs> I'm like the cool dad who's like still doing my thing. And like, I'm just like here for advice, kiddos, you know, like. <laughs> I think right. you're describing you know, a, a cool uncle right? actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I mean, you know, I do think that like it, I mean, I, I mean, it feels uncontroversial to say it sounds a lot cooler to be a dad than to be a mom. Right. Because totally. it doesn't feel like it's over. Like it doesn't feel like it's this is all encompassing, essentializing sure. thing. Even if you yourself try to make it a different way, society always, I think, treats like, you know, motherhood as this whole transformative thing mm. where your life is so different. And that's not as much the case for dads. Oh, I mean, even like, yeah, just like attraction wise, like I feel like, you know, hot dads, it's like so much more of a thing, even like there's tons of hot moms out there, but almost like innately mm. by being a mom. I don't know. Like we don't actually view moms as like hot in the same way that we will allow that for dads. And so like you kind of take on this whole new societal role by mm -hmm. having kids. It's not just like a new role in your family. Right. But in all of society, like the minute people see you with a kid out, it changes mm -hmm. how people are viewing you. Like, right. You in the same with the same hair and the same outfit and the same body and the same walk or whatever but all of a sudden you have a yeah. kid on your hip and everyone's gonna see you completely different mm -hmm. um and then like people will see like a dad or something with a baby and everyone's like oh my god what a good dad they're carrying that kid you know and it's like so easy to like impress society i think as a father right um, doing any caretaking at all 
at all. Whereas if you're a mom, it's like expected. And yeah, that, that freaks me out too. Cause I, I don't want to be expected to do all that. Like, well, think of, like, like there's some statistic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's like some statistic around like, you know, when hetero couples, like if one person gets cancer, like if it's the man that gets cancer versus if it's the woman that gets cancer, like if it's a woman that gets cancer, it, the man is six times more t- likely to leave her than if the woman got cancer, than if the man got cancer. Right. 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 And it's just like, oh, you know, like, yes. This is a lot to ask of someone to like, you know, be able to caretake for someone. It, it, it's, it is onerous, right? But there's a certain level to which, like we had this, we had this guy on our podcast um, a couple weeks ago who was talking about how he was like a friend of mine from college and he was talking about how he um, got, basically like got injured to the point where like, you know, he was in recovery for many months, right? And DeAndre, you'll remember this, like, you know, I was asking him, like, cause he was telling us, oh, like the main people who were like taking care of him while he was in that recovery phase was like, you know, his uh, girlfriend, right? And like, you know, his mom basically. And I was just like, well, where were your male friends during this whole thing? And he said, well, I don't think it's their fault. I could not stand to be in such a like you know weak sort of debilitated state like state around them like I was embarrassed right like what was I like I don't want them to come see me sort of like you know on my deathbed sort of it wasn't he wasn't dying but like you know that's what like the vibes that he was you know he he was not it felt very emasculating to him to like you know let any of his male friends like see him in a state of that kind of like weakness sure you know, right. no, and it's I mean, just like, well, you're fine with your girlfriend seeing you like this. Exactly. You know, because it's expected. It's the the, the yeah. mother archetype, the caretaker, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I mean, there is there's like the thing is, though, and I love that this is where uh, where we've come. And I don't know that all places are as open. You know, New Orleans is a very liberal, gender fluid place you know yeah. uh, most people will ask like your pronouns mm-hmm. um and it's just you know you go out and 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 you're just gonna see like a rainbow of of genders out mm-hmm. out on any given event or night or and um what I love in that too like it in is just this I don't know. Like I am, I'm now able to really embrace this like masculine part of myself. Like I can, I can totally swing into like wearing a dress and being really sweet and like gentle and like, you know, I want to make a pie. And I, you know, I, I swing into that mode of being. And then I also, especially like in the music world, cause it's so male dominated. Like when I'm with those friends, like, I'm sitting like my legs are open. I'm smoking a cigarette. Like we're playing cards. Like, and I enter this like very different, like, you know, Modality. masculine way of being. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I mean, that carries through in like a lot, even in like my past few kind of like dating people, I feel like I've taken on the male role. Like I've been more of the, yeah, kind of like masculine one, um, which is just, interesting and fun and and has me also questioning this whole I'm like what does motherhood look like when you have such a masculine energy you know mm-hmm. like <laughs> am I gonna be expected to do all that stuff because I'm not gonna I don't like, mm-hmm. I want to have a night out with the boys like I'm not <laughs> mm-hmm. you know <laughs> yeah I'm not gonna get left behind I'm not going I'm not staying home yeah um, totally so yeah and like I see how my friends who have kids like the guys get a lot of freedom to come out and have their nights with the boys and I don't know their wives to have the same freedom to do that you know um but also because they're musicians and so it's built into their lifestyle that of course they're out they're late it's out late they're hanging with their friends they're they have to go to rehearsals rehearsals involve like hanging afterwards and having a drink 
Um, Well, it's it's I think especially if you're a hetero person, it's hard to find a man who is willing to take on like there. I think there are people who will aspire to be equal in their relationships, but never like unequal where the man is actually taking on what a lot of the women in our society take on. Like they're unwilling to take on more and like be actually the one who does more. Yeah. Right. Because that's like too much to ask, I think. And 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 literally, like, I think often this is something that my previous um housemate would say all the time is like, if you care more, you've already lost. Right? <laughs> because it's like <laughs> terrible adage. But it's so fucking true. Yeah. You know? Like if neither of you, like, if neither parent cares about, like, you know, making sure the, ca- the kid, like, you know, g- gets, uh, like, an annual physical scheduled or whatever, the kid's just not going to get it, right? So it's always is going to default, like, whatever that labor is, is just always going to default to the person who cares to do those things, right? right? Like, there's so many of these moms groups in, you know, like, the, on Facebook and stuff like that, where it's just, like, you don't see, like, the same level of like, oh, like, you know, meticulously researching every possible school, like blah, 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 right? Uh, right? And even if it was like, okay, how can you like, you know, try to get equity in terms of the things that can be measured? It's like, what about those things where it's like, okay, maybe you can assign like this task of like trying to find a school, but it's just never going to be done with the same level of like intensity. And, you know, and if that's the way you think it should be done, then it, I feel like so many of the people I know, like, are just like, okay, well, it, it's at the end of the day, it'll get done better if I just do it myself. Right, right. right? And because, like, someone like me, it's like, I care a lot. You know, I just, I would care about every little thing. And I don't know, my goal right now is to just be able to do all of that on my own, like, to just do everything on my own. And... I mean, this is not talking about kids, just talking about like life stuff, but it's like, I would, you know, I have all my power tools in the back. It's like, I can like cut the wood and fix the stuff and get on the ladder and like, you know, take care of the the lawn and do all the things that like would have maybe typically fallen under like the male, the male role of like in the household. And then I also want to like come in and like make the dinner and like make, make dessert and like make it smell really good. And like, and once again, of course, men and women do all these things, <laughs> but, uh, but there are different roles. Like whether you're splitting it between the man or the woman, it's like, I, I almost feel like they would be best divided. <laughs> You'd get a lot more done if these roles were divided. Um, and my goal right now is to just like master them all on my own so that, you know, I don't, I don't want to feel like partnership is needed. But I wonder, right, if there's an element of our, like, I think very, like, I think our generation is very into this, like, you know, like, we we ought to be independent, we should be, like, you know, rejecting a lot of these roles and being entirely self-sufficient. And I wonder if that then leaves us, like, uh, less willing to invest as much in you know, relationships because we know, don't don't actually need anybody else. Right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I and I've talked a lot about this with yeah. with friends, you know, just like the kind of the danger of like not needing anyone. Right. Um, and I mean, like, I feel like-, like that's partially why, like, there's this trope that rich people are so lonely. Right. Because like you can afford to live by yourself. You can afford to do everything yourself. Like, you know, you can just hire someone to do it. Like you're never going to really, really, really need something from anyone. I feel like we're we're like as a certainly as a generation, like becoming maybe more individualistic than we have, you know, as a society have been in the past. Like in the sense in the sense that we in the sense of what we've been talking about, like, you know, people are becoming Mm -hmm. more self-sufficient and are caring more about being able to do all the things. Um, Mm hmm you know, on their own. And then, yeah. yeah, maybe, maybe it has ramifications. Like, I know, like, I feel like, you know, on the one hand, I feel like the people that we know are very, like, you know, at least just like, you know, a lot of people on the left in rhetoric are very communitarian or like, oh, it'd be so great if we could all just like, you know, live in this commune or like, you know, live in some sort of like co-op living situation together and all be reliant on each other. But I find that in practice, like no one wants to trust anybody. 
<laughs> and people are just quite, you know? quite particular. I think, I think also people are very particular and just don't have the true flexibility that it, I think people underestimate how hard it is to like create a community of people that you're living with, even like on a, on a micro scale, mm-hmm. of like in a house with roommates that like where, right. you know, where like you're truly okay or like truly can deal with the, you know, what you view as shortcomings in your roommates. It's really hard to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really it's really <laughs> imagine that on a imagine that on a on a macro ish scale with like a commune of like two hundred people, right? Like, right, and like when I think about that and like how hard I feel like it's been to even find like you know roommates who are like you know perfectly compatible with me, I'm like, oh my god, how does anything like that ever exist? Yeah, you know. No, I mean, I, I think most people I know now too. It, it's a similar like wanting to be able to do it all on their own and. Mm-hmm there's just such an overwhelming sense of loneliness. Like so many people are so lonely and you know, I, and and then, you know, yeah, speaking to like, I, I've learned how to do all these little things so that I don't need anyone. And on one hand, cool. Now I can do all these things for myself, but it kind of, then it, yeah, you kind of step back and you're like, but what is this all for then? Like, great, I can do it all alone, but what, what are we doing here? Like, great, I can cook my dinner and garden and do all that stuff, but it's, it's a sweet little life. But like, so much of what gives like the, the meaning to life for me is, is relationships, you know? And um, when you take out the need for those relationships, um, and not to say I don't need relationships because I absolutely do. Like I, I, I love and need the people that I have in my life, but um, I try to never need them. You know, like if I'm like really sick or something, or if I'm really sad, or if I, you know, I'm like I'm someone. I'll be very like I'm going to take care of this on my own. Like I will deal with this. I'm not going to put this on someone. I want to show up in people's lives as like a joyous, helpful you know, fun person, you know? So the parts that are hard, the parts that that I do need help with, I'm like mortified to go to other people seeking that help, you know? Um, Because I've made such a, I I pride myself so much on being able to do everything on my own. Um, And yeah, it makes it like almost difficult to, even in partnerships, like I'll even come into things like kind of expecting that a partner would also be able to do a lot on their own mm-hmm. and feeling like, oh, I'm doing everything because I know how to do it, mm-hmm. you know, and then right. feeling it's like, like, oh, now I'm like being put upon and it's like, you know, I could have just, yeah, totally. Yeah, but I'm not being put upon. It's just right. that I like to do everything. <laughs> but like mm-hmm. suddenly you add another person into the mix that maybe just is really good at one thing or maybe they're not that good at anything. I don't know. Like, and <laughs> so it doesn't feel like, I notice the judgment in myself of like, mm-hmm. oh, you don't know how to do, you can't do that. Basic shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you, can't you can't make this. You're like, yeah. you can't like, mm-hmm. what do you mean? You can't like, you know, um, right. and I would never uh, criticize a friend of mine for doing it. Right. Like I have friends that can't, can't do things, right. Or can't do things. Right. Like they yeah. can't do stuff and I don't criticize them for it, but you mm-hmm. get, give me a partner. (laughs) And then all of a sudden it's like a free for all. And I'm just like, what do you mean? You can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, How dare you? Like, (laughs) yeah, totally. Um, and then, and then thus the cycle continues of this isolation, this great, I can do it all on my own. Mm -hmm. And I'm critical of those who can't. And I'm, I'm critical of myself when I need help. And I, it becomes an even more isolated little bubble that mm-hmm. I'm in and continuing right. to build, right? Like I'm still right. building this like isolated life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, totally. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I feel like even on, on on another level outside of like relationships, I feel like that that has also driven a lot of people to want to do like their own businesses and like, you know, be entrepreneurs because we've seen so much just like, you know, corporate exploitation of people and people want to be like, I don't need a boss. Like, I don't need someone telling me what to do. Like, fuck this. I'm just going to go 
be self-sufficient, right? I feel like that's mm-hmm. another way in which like, uh-huh. you know, our like, you know, really strong individualism is kind of coming out. And, you know, I'm doing that myself. And there's a lot of ways in which like, you know, working for yourself really sucks. It is very lonely as well, right? Not having like, you know, coworkers on a day-to-day basis, right? Like I have people I collaborate with and I partner with, but it's really not the same. There's also just something, you know, really like, you know, <laughs> endearing about having to be explo- you know we're all just like laboring under the man so we all like you know that that yeah. produces those nice, like whatever nice ordeal trauma bonds right coworkers are nice yeah i do wonder how much like i feel like i i often have the thought like is my is my feminism kind of like screwing me over like <laughs> i was i recently started talking to my ex asher after like seven months um and they're like oh well how are you liking philly and I was like, yeah, I'm actually liking Philly a lot. And they're like, wow, because you really didn't want to move to Philly. <laughs> As you remember, DeAndre, I was like so, I was like kicking and screaming moving to Philly because I was like, I don't want to conceive of myself as somebody who like would move for my partner when like they wouldn't do that for me yeah. or whatever. But at the end of the day, it was never about Philly. Yeah. It was only, you weren't, a, you weren't yeah, moving to Philadelphia because like, you were, because you were interested in like exploring Philadelphia, you know? That's why it seems so. That's why it seems like novel to you now because you're getting the chance yeah. to actually do that. But also, like, 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 appreciate it in and of itself as opposed to I moved here for this yeah. other person, right? Oh, it changes everything. Yeah, I, it I, totally does. <laughs> I, I, a few years ago, I had so I had left New Orleans like five years ago, and I, I fell in love with this guy from Argentina, mm-hmm. and I moved down there um, because I was like working remotely at the time, and like I was playing music and I'm like I can go do that there so I and I'd like lived in New Orleans for a while I was ready and I, I moved there and um you know and he's a beautiful beautiful human being like just so kind loving and he he worked so hard like he had his own business and he was working like crazy hours you know like 12 to 14 hours a day like I I was not seeing him and so I kind of became I mean I, I was staying in his house you know and I would do all the grocery shopping and the cooking and the cleaning and I would be out in the garden. And I was, I felt very, even though I had completely chose of my own accord to move down there to go be with him. Um, I felt like forced into this domestic role that I didn't want, you know, I was like, and of course he was not asking this of me, right? Like he wasn't asking me to do it, but because my standard of living is like, well, there has to be food and like, I want him cook and like, I want it to be clean. Like I want all these things. And if someone else isn't here to do it, I'll do it. And like, and then I started to really resent like, oh, I'm, I'm here because of you. I'm in your house doing all these things. And when I look back at that time I spent in Argentina, I loved where I lived. Like it was actually a wonderful life. Like it was a great lifestyle. The place was super cool. I loved the culture, but I, because I did it for someone else, when I was in the moment, like I was getting really resentful about that. Yeah. And I couldn't appreciate the place until after the fact when I didn't feel like when I could see outside of the feeling that I'm only doing it for someone else. And of mm-hmm. course, cause he has his business and he works so hard. I have to be the one, right? Mm-hmm. Like that moves as I felt very much like, I don't know the classic, um, yeah the the housewife yeah and it's like you could have been doing all of those things for yourself exactly the same (laughs) but if that person wasn't living there you would have been 100 percent perfectly happy like they've been totally fine oh that's what i do anyway i would have done it i would have done it anyway totally i would have done it anyway (laughs) yeah like that's the that is the absurd part of the whole thing is like yeah, it's things I totally would have done. I mean, I even recently had this with a partner who like, you know, he was like an extreme or partner's a strong word. Someone I was dating and he, mm-hmm. he was like an extreme homebody and didn't like to leave his house very much. Mm-hmm. And I would invite him places, places. I go places alone all the time and like, or I go meet up with my friends places and I would like invite him to come and he'd say no. And suddenly I'd be like, well, now I have to like go alone. But I'm like, I would have gone alone. Yeah, totally. I would have gone alone. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so funny how like you add this person and with the person comes expectations. Yeah. That they're going to somehow like meet you halfway in everything you do. 
Mm-hmm. And it, it, I mean, in my experience, never works yeah. like that. Totally. And in the ways where it is working like that, I'm not looking at that because I'm looking at, you know, <laughs> it's like you were saying, Isabel, it's like there's the, you know, that golden, that golden ideal. And then it's just looking at the negative space between here in the ideal but it's just it is hard i think to conceive of like you know if we are in this space of like creative like unlearning of like you know what roles were we given versus what roles like what are we actually trying to build it is like legitimately a difficult question to be like what is like the best way to like get like you know to have a romantic partner or to have any level of companionship right and try to like constantly fight that like you know okay like you know, making things negative, right? And paying attention to this negative space. Like maybe it's just like, you know, don't live with your significant other or whatever. And maybe it's like that simple. But like, you know, it's hard to come up with how to not like get yourself, like put yourself into that space of like, you know, comparing to like your ideal partnership. And I, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's really weird, man. It's like, (laughs) you know, you got to think about what your ideal partnership is. Then you really just like ask yourself why that like why you feel like that's your ideal partnership and like if that's what you actually want. And if you don't know what it's actually what you actually want, then you have to figure out what you actually want. And you have to like, you know, be making changes in the moment, like as, you know, building a plane while it's flying. Yeah, all this whilst being like ineptly prepared by society to do so. <laughs> you no, know, I, I mean, it's like cognitive dissonance as well of like it's like i know this i know that it's absurd i know that that's not fair i know it's not achievable you know what i mean like to to hold your own expectation of where someone else would be at in their life like it just doesn't right that would never make sense but knowing that has no bearing on the actual emotions you feel right (laughs) no no and and i wonder like i mean because i mean this is such a universe. I mean, I feel like this is a very shared emotion, right? So right. Like, what is this? Like, is this a biological, like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the fact that we could know something and that it's It doesn't even matter. So- like it's still, you're still trapped. Yeah. I really yeah. think, it, I, I think a, my, hypo- my hypothesis is like, it really comes from a feeling of like, um, especially in the context of dating you're like okay this is this like you know like you're like already maybe a little skittish because like this is possible feasible that this person could be someone that you're with for a long time and that you spend a lot of your time with and then you're like and then you're like every like weird thing or negative thing it can get you like like in your hair in your head even good things can get you in your head about like whether or not this is something that you can do forever (laughs) you know it's like Mm -hmm. it's hard any expectation of forever, I think, makes things infinitely like, you know, DeAndre could like yeah, fuck up, right? And I'm not like, oh my God, this is putting our entire relationship for the rest of our lives yeah. in jeopardy, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's really, really weird. And it's like that one thing that I keep, you know, I'm like, man, if I could just get a hold of that, you know, if I could just not do that, then I could have like, I could do it, you mm-hmm. know? And then I think that I'm like, but there's so many people out there. I know like there's, there's people who are able to maintain relationships and they do it. They do that forever. I guess. I don't know if they're just continuously projecting onto each other, but, um, you know, I also hold this ideal of a romantic relationship where that's not present. And I don't know if that's realistic. I hold this ideal that I could be a perfect person and, and, be like holding down the fort and keeping it keeping it you know present and, and grounded and loving and thoughtful um <laughs> but i don't know i'm not there yet and then I, I get and then i'm alone and then i'm like oh see i'm great like i see i'm i'm wonderful like i'm not i'm not doing anything weird i don't feel bad about it how anyone's i'm not trying to control anyone's life like everything's yeah. great let me try to date. Like now, I'm now I'm fixed. You know, <laughs> and then I'm like, yeah. a relationship, and I'm just like, so you didn't call. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you didn't call when you said you would. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 yeah. Single women are the happiest women in America, or maybe in the world. Probably the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
but it's like helpful to talk about and to real. I'm like, yeah, like everyone, everyone does this. This is yeah, it's fucked up in a lot of ways. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But we're just like kind of continually working towards like you know, how do you what do you how do you how do we relate to like one another in ways that are actually like you know healthy, sustainable, and like not totally I don't know alienating ourselves. Yeah. 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 I um, really think at, at the end of the day, like to when I think when I see myself getting into the scorekeeping behavior, I'm like, look, at the end of the day. We're all going to die. <laughs> and why not die at a deficit? Isn't that pretty much the virtual thing, the virtuous thing to do? Right? Like, why am I so obsessed with, like, you know, making sure I'm in the black and I'm receiving more than I'm ever giving? Like, yeah. at the end of the day, like, it yeah. is fine. Sometimes you got to take actually. some L's. Like, I, it, it, it takes... Yeah, it takes a lot, I think, to get there because I think our society really does not. Our culture is like, you know, really against that notion because it's like, oh, this is abusive. Oh, this is not reciprocated. Oh, your energy is being spent. But like, it's okay to like, I think that's really difficult to come to terms with in kind of like all the environments that I've been in because I think people are so like all of my female friends are so quick to be like, yeah, fuck that guy. Right. But it's like it's. Regardless of who it is, regardless of whether there's a gender dynamic or not, like it's okay, I think, to give more than you receive. And I think a lot of the mindset that makes it feel bad when that happens is a mindset. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's all about what you what you're you know? what you want. You know, some people truly yeah. are. But it's hard figuring yeah. out what you want. Some people right? truly are okay with yeah. it, and some people like truly like giving is their love language, and like getting is not their receiving love language, right? Like. People have their own dynamics. Um, it's just whether or not like you feel happy with it or not. <laughs> like, is this, is it working for you? Right. Chelsea, thank you so much. It's been a fun conversation. A fun, yeah, thank you um, yeah kind of just like people chatting, hanging out. Which I think is nice to just, I think it's nice to just like record that phenomenon sometimes. Yeah. I know. It's funny how you never know where it's going to go. Like, yeah. Who could have known? Like I, I, I came in completely open to wherever we were going to go in this conversation. Mm -hmm. That's magic. Great. TBH. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So I like to give people a little parting question before we go. Um, I'm trying to think of one for you. Tell me your um, the next thing that you have on your schedule that you're like super excited to do. I would say my the, the thing I'm most excited about right now, I just ordered everything for stained glass. Um, so in the next like two or three days, I'm going, I mean, starting tonight probably, I'm, but like over the next few days, I'm going to like really sit down with all of it and just start practicing like, cutting glass and breaking it and learning how learning how to solder things and put it put these pieces of glass together um and this is a really big journey for me this is something i've been wanting to do for a long time now and so i finally just like got this bug up my butt to do it and and um so yeah i would say that's the thing i'm i'm most excited about right now that's that's nice. coming up amazing for me um, so this is your time. If you want to plug anything, you could do it now. Oh, plug. I'm going to plug my Chelsea's Healthy's Herbal Smoking Blend. Uh, that will be released in the next two or three weeks. And we have a website, chelseashealthies.com, and an Instagram at chelseashealthies. And it's an herbal smoking blend with rose, lavender, calendula, mullein, and marshmallow. And... Um, yeah, you can mix it with your tobacco. You can smoke it straight. You can mix it with anything else. Um, and our packs come <laughs> with papers and filters and everything you need to, to roll. So that will be my plug for, for Beautiful. <laughs> um, and as always, us, and as always, you can find us at I'm the Villain Pod. That's our Twitter, our Gmail, our Instagram. Otherwise, bye. <laughs>